Okay, welcome to Free Association. Uh, this is a show where I'm just really going to play part of an interview between James Martinez and Sasha Stone that I found that happened, again, it happened about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I think. So I'm late to the party with this one, but it's a very, very powerful interview. I think it needs, it needs to be heard. And it's, it's the way that James Martinez phrases everything and the way that he engages with it is, is very matter of fact. It's very precise. He knows what he's doing. He's not, he's not provoking a huge emotional response. He's being very matter of fact about it. This is what's happening. This is the way it's happening. This is why it's happening. This is how it's happening. And this is what we do to stop it. So I think it's worth playing the first half an hour of the interview. At the very least, that's the part that I've listened to so far. So that's the part that I'm going to play. I'll let it roll. If anybody comes into the room and they want to have a conversation about it, I'll, I'll start we can have a conversation about it. But initially, I'm just going to let this roll. It's an hour, hour and odd long conversation i'll play the first half an hour and then see how see how we go with people in the room or whatever and uh, we'll develop it as a conversation if there's anybody who wants to talk if not i'll just keep keep playing it i might do it as two parts though because it's it's quite heavy material and i don't want to frighten people off too much with this type of material and also it's not good for my mental and emotional health to do too much of this in one go so i'm conscious of that as well so anyway here's the interview uh and we're going to start recording uh all right we're great we're recording here all right so james Martinez, thanks for joining me. Um, I want to talk with you about Operation Mind Control, the Walter Bullard book, because I know that you worked with him um, closely at, at a, a certain period of time and had a lot of insight from him into the nature of mind control. Um, and so that book was published back in the, was it 90s, if I'm correct, or was, was it earlier? The first one came out in 1978, and it was Dell Publishing that did it. And uh, when that first book came out, um, we went on a tour, a uh, 40-city tour, talking about that, and pretty much at the beginning, when that was published, that book was taken off the shelf. It was all bought up and shelved, and that, the effects of the publishing of that book at that time, in 78, um, we paid a dear price for doing that work. He never published a book other than the follow-up to that. Uh, it kind of ended his career in writing. Was, um, was, when he did was that. The, what, what prompted that book? Was it based on sort of the church committee exposure of the MK Ultra projects, and basically like what Marx did with his search for the Manchurian candidate? He was basically going through the MK Ultra files that was available. Obviously, we know most of them were destroyed by Richard Helm, CIA director at the time, destroyed the vast majority of the files. But was that the basis of Bowert's uh, work in op mind control? 
Um, that came later. He, he, he knew about it, and um, the impetus that initiated his uh, research was uh, the interfacing with Vietnam vet, actually, um, and some you know, uh, military people, because he had a neighbor that uh, uh, he got to know that um, had severe, deep amnesia issues, massive anxiety movement before he went to the war when he came back. And uh, that was the uh, kind of the catalyst that uh, started his research into that. He was aware um, and suspected what was going on, but that was the real thing because he had seen what happened to our military. Um, and at that point, um, when he got to know him by accident, he uh, um, stumbled upon through his conversation with him some of the invented codes that uh, he was hypno-programmed into uh, using um, during Vietnam and afterwards. Um, that was just trauma from war. That was not, uh, that, that, that was the thing that he was totally against the war entirely. Um, and you might recall, uh, since you have something to do with your father, when Walter was alive, um, he wanted to take all of that work and all of the research that he gave to the for a film because of the secret history of the United States and what really was going on. And um, that was one of his uh, dear wishes uh, amongst anything else he wanted to see to it that that technology information came out. And uh, that was the start of it uh, in the interview with Vietnam Vet and all the rest of it. Uh, started to come after that. Um, his, his gateway was understanding, his gateway was in, his interest in how trauma affects the mind and basically controls the mind through trauma, right? And yes. then to, to investigate that, what was sort of like, that was his red pill in a sense, but what really expanded his awareness of how deep this mind control issue became. When he started interviewing, um, he started interviewing the Vietnam vets and other people that had been uh, sent his way. I uh, found out patterns uh, amongst all of them um, about what they said in some of their dialogue when he was doing type of, some kinds of therapy with them, with them. It was men and women. And he found out through uh, uh, the stuff that they were saying that uh, they were essentially used as uh, technological collateral so to speak, for the intelligence community and military, uh, which had nothing to do with like the overall effects of war. These people were uh, set up and used. Um, and it was at that point um, that uh, we began to investigate the whole matter real seriously. Um, and then that, that led to uh, um, his understanding of um, what Joe uh, Delgado Dead when he said we were going to move the whole purpose of mind control is to create a psycho civilized society, and that's what we're at now. And uh, in initially, in the beginning, um, he, he uh, found out uh, through contacts that he had because he was the um, people don't really know this at all. I mean, you don't just jump into something like that. He was the um, starter of the East Village, other in New York City. And then you start the underground press syndicate. He was also heavily involved in the counterculture of the 60s. Um, big time, real big time. He knew everybody in New York and uh, 
married into uh, one of the um, uh, Mellon Bank heirs uh, during that whole time. So he was very active and had a lot of contacts with military and press people uh, for a long time. And then when that book was written, after he did all his research, one of the things that he uh, made it different than everything else is it wasn't a theory anymore if mind control existed or research was being done. A lot of people knew that. The, the, the point is it was operational. They were using it, hence the word, you know, operational mind control. Um, and he dealt with insiders uh, that were telling him uh, quietly, yeah, this thing is operational. And it was, a, it was at that point uh, when he found out it was operational, this just didn't, this was a very, very long-term sophisticated uh, plot that had been going on uh, during the after uh, paperclip when he brought in all the uh, scientists here. They'd already been working on behavior modification technology during the war. It was brought over here and then we perfected it. And then it bled out into uh, child trafficking because of the way they were uh, modeling behavior from trauma. And then on top of that, then you got into the CIA's uh, people, if you look and research it, they're very interested in cults because of the dynamics and behaviors uh, uh, around cults and how cults stick together. What are they using to fuse them together? How does that, uh, how are they using these meta models of behavior to reinforce them and then uh, capitalize upon them? And then Eventually, when you start doing the research, as he did, he found out that this is uh, this is far more insidious than he thought because of the, uh, all the uh, children that were missing and the fact that this was an inbred, long-term, generational operation where uh, people would actually have children for the mere purposes of donating those children into what he referred to as the cryptocracy. Um, what is which that? is the cryptocracy he referred to uh, uh, the hidden or secret government that was carrying out with these operations, the cryptocracy, because crypto is secret. And this was this hidden hand behind the orchestrators and the people that finance this country, the banks, the hidden hand that have been here in the very beginning they were doing all this and were involved with uh, the harvesting of our own children, all religions, all genders, all kinds, all over the place, throughout the United States and the world, but we perfected it here. So, um, uh, I was, I was, I was just saying, what was the, what, what to him was the, the purpose of the operational aspect of it? Why did they want to control the mind and, and harvest the Right, Because they knew, they knew that that would be the final battleground. The brain is the final battleground of the 21st century now. But they wanted to uh, utilize and use behavior modification as a tool for shaping culture, basically. Um, and using children generationally to blackmail, to influence culture, to lead culture. So the handlers would be behind the scenes, while on the top layer, these people are the hypno program that have been born into the system to long term conditioning. These are not things that were done overnight. They're using, they were utilizing the secondary signal system of Skinner box conditioning to get people into a position uh, to intentionally work for the intelligence community in the military. 
um, and willingly do so. Uh, and the, the, the insidious stuff that was done, uh, all of that has surfaced today. And I've uh, seen over the last five to ten years now child abuse, uh, trafficking is you know, the word of the day. Everybody hears it all over the place now. And that's an accumulation of what's occurred over what he, what we saw. He was in '78. It was fully going on. I mean, when I when I met him in the early '90s, uh, I came in from a different aspect um, and gave him further information because there was a follow up to the original Operation Mind Control book, which is the researchers' edition, which is free online, and people can see the free free PDF there. But there was a lot of add-ons and changes happen because when I initially met him I met him in Tucson and uh, we initially became like best friends quite like overnight because we we're both adopted children we both lived all over the world prior to meeting we we're both involved in the UFO aspect and uh, I met him um, because I was friends with Andrea Baharich uh, Marion Shanifield and John Mack and uh, I was in Tucson doing doing an interview on a particular case. And uh, I told him, you know, this abduction thing, it, it, it has to do with uh, uh, violating the spirit, and a lot of them are faked, you know, based on uh, 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 child rape and trauma, based upon those um, activities that take place during that time. And that's how I met him, and that's how I initially started in the early 90s, um, because I had um, learned through... Uh, Marion Shenfield and uh, Andrea Berharch. These are huge influential people behind the scenes that set up the remote viewing uh, in the United States. They were involved with initial big, huge cases with UFOs because mind control, UFOs, and child abduction are all in the same section. And uh, um, I, was, I was brought in um, and gave him all that information for volume two, and then we produced it, put that information out there. But this was in, still in the early 90s, and people were not, it's not like a conversation you can have with people normally. Uh, you don't bring this stuff up. It's, it, you can tell nobody does anything with it. We, we told everybody what was going on in 78 and then 90. And then the powers that be, law enforcement, everything, they're all involved. They're all involved. They're all either complicit, or they're aware of it, or they're not... Um, pulling off the band-aid, so to speak. The public has to see the blood and guts of this. No more screwing around. They've got to see the blood and guts of it, and they've got to see, and they've got to talk to the survivors of it. And they've got to understand the effects of what this has done to this country. That main effect, if there's anything that I can say that people can take away from this, it's the most important part. People can do their own research, all the stuff that's out there, but the most important part is when you have children are committing suicide, they're being harvested, they're vanishing from everywhere, multiple cultures, a lot in the U.S., nothing is done about it, you have a, you have a failed country. Because those children and the people that survive this, something happens to them that isn't even discussed. The shrinks and psychologists and you know, the people that put together the uh, DSM-5, which is basically the, the manual for legislating consciousness financed by CIA. Um, they 
they don't tell you about the effects of childhood abuse and ritualistic abuse. What, what those children do, they do either two things. They, they attack themselves, self-destruct in society, or they're coming after you. When they come after you, both come with equal force, and they will dominate you. They will torture you. They will kill you because of the, the, the original self inside the person has been violated and it fractures, and it reverses in many cases. It comes back inward on itself. So you have people all over Hollywood that uh, are, are there's, a, there's a saying that Walter Barr he told me is never forget this. Fame and shame beget the same name. Fame and shame beget the same name. This is a lot of people um, uh, show up because they're trying to get uh, what we call today media validation, or um, uh, they're trying to have a certain section of themselves recognized. It's been it's vanished that they can't be congruent with. Um, and this is this is where we're at today. Is we've got a society that. Uh, is avoided children. Um, they're the, the rulers and the abusers. They're running us. They run the show. And they. And another thing is, there's probably a book that you you know about called the Disassociated States of America. And it's about uh, the absence of empathy. And absence of empathy is a cultural conditioning frame that's been set up over a long period of time. Uh, people recognize sometimes when they see a dead body laying in the streets of China, but nobody does the thing. They drive past it. They don't talk about it. They don't even recognize it. We have that here now. We're, we're, we're not emotionally responding. Over a long period of time, what this, what this has done to us. Sure. So, so I want to sort of focus in on a few things because at one level, you have the targeting of children that's taken place. Um, Bowart, you told me, per had a personal experience with this because he was married into one of these, as you said, Mellon families, banking, banking families. That's right. Um, can you relate first his personal experience and how that awakened him to uh, how real this generational abuse is and trauma, uh, perpetuation of trauma is? Well, Tim Leary set him up, uh, set him up to, to meet with... Um, the Mellon family, and he married into it um, because it was, he told me he was trying to save uh, his children because he didn't think he was going to live uh, after writing this book and uh, researching it. He researched it for, for quite some time before he wrote it, and um, he had witnessed firsthand uh, abuse against children. Um, I, won't, I, won't, I don't want to go into the uh, his immediate family, because they're alive still. Uh, I know all of them. Uh, I've not interfaced with them face to face since his death, actually, because uh, of what I know. Um, but he saw it firsthand. He didn't. He wasn't uh, um, abused as a child. He, he grew up uh, as an adoptee, which, in some cases, some people would call that abuse. But um, adopted children are very different people. Uh, and that's why he and I uh, bonded so well because we understood each other. And he was very interested in uh, the protection of children um, because he saw it, it, the, the, the lead-in to him getting so involved with uh, uncovering of uh, 
MK Ultra and its functionality in society was because of his adoption process and what happened to him and the effects of that, not only on himself, but on the people that associated with him. And so he was always um, very protective of uh, children and culture and always felt that they should be top priority in any culture. They should be protected at all costs. Because um, if you don't, your, your society is, will be destroyed. Will be destroyed because of the effects of it. Because those people, uh, they say, you know, people know this that the abusers, uh, the abused will abuse. If you've been abused, you're, you're going to do it to somebody else in some form. And a lot of those people, they 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 uh, they don't want it to do with a few people around them. They want to take what the impact that had uh, in their immediate life and then take it up to a much higher level so they'll, they'll abuse many people, not just a couple, many people, and they get into leadership positions. I mean, I might as well just say it right now because I'm not saying it anymore. This guy, Barry Satoro, a.k.a. Barack Obama, this is a guy that's been completely totally abused. It's a, uh, I hate to say it because I know a lot of people are going to get upset, but it's true. He was raised uh, sexually violated by his um, uh, maid, the pair bonded with that maid, and look what we have today. We've got a guy that is, uh, uh, we call him the Rolls, the Rolls Royce or Ferrari version of uh, Nigerian candidates. I mean, everything about that guy says that uh, he's got a cardboard personality, his inner core, nowhere to be found. I, I'm sure without a doubt, and my feeling is he's probably actually a really nice guy, but he's been so violated so badly since uh, young childhood and put into various operations as a teenager that that person is gone. This is this is what I'm talking about because I, the reason I bring it up is because everybody knows that guy. Sure. Uh, everybody sees him on camera, the way he talks. And it's the only reason why I bring it up. Everybody's aware of it. That's what's happened to him. But one question, though, is, you know, again, given you, you can't talk about Bart's immediate experience um, with his family, but you could at least give us some clarity as to why, what does this originate from in, in terms of Bart's research and your understanding? You know, is it simply traumatized, hurt people, hurt people? Yes, but there seems to be something more occultic, more esoteric about the practice of child abuse, right? As yes, it yeah, it's a religion, right? It's a religion. It, it, it's, in, it's in his book, the origin of the, uh, Satanism, Luciferianism, whatever label you want to put on, is the harnessing and exploiting of bioessence of children for the purposes of gaining power or life extension or um, a lot of people, when we looked into the research, you know, saw all the files of the survivors, it didn't start off that way. They were blackmailed into it and uh, forced into it. Um, and when I, when I found out, and both of us knew how, how that blackmail was done, uh, a lot of these people were reluctant. But if they're not participating in it specifically, um, they're made to look at it. Just looking at it, is a form of abuse, uh, and it's done to uh, desensitize the self. Because uh, the fracturing of self has to do with uh, 
you being threatened, your life, your essence, your whole being is threatened, and your body responds to the threat, and then that catapults the brain to uh, fracture. And he um, was aware of how they were doing this. And um, he got into all the uh, technology of that. Uh, because they were, they were this technology can be used um, for basically running the military. Uh, warfare is about um, disassociation. In order to kill somebody, you have to be disassociated, uh, very disassociated. Um, because in order to, to get somebody into that particular state, um, you've got to precondition and alter the central nervous system entirely. And you know, boot camp is uh, boot camp. Um, it's used as a, um, a system for reframing the central nervous system by altering the identity of the person when they show up to boot camp. They cut their hair off. They put everybody in uniform. I mean, ultimately, uh, mind control goes back to church. That's its origins. Uh, everything about the church, uh, the way it was set up, everything from the way that people sit in the pews to the, the priest sitting at a higher position, the head raised to a certain point, the amount of people, the use of music, um, all of that stuff, uh, all those same modalities are used in behavior modification that's sanctioned. Uh, Tony Robbins does that. He uses, he uses a revival model. Uh, Walter knew him and knew where he got all this technology and why, why he became successful and where it came from. It all came from uh, uh, World War II and neurolinguistic programming was a toolbox of many people and it just happened to be perfected by Grinder and uh, Richard Bandler. And Robbins picked it up. But, uh, these were uh, technologies that came way beforehand, and they're still being used today. This behavior modification is a big business today, but it all came from that technology. Or was a saw that uh, he was learning how they were, the cryptocracy and the intelligence agencies were doing it. Uh, they were using religious uh, uh, techniques. That's why the CIA is very interested in cults. Very interesting. They they got access into all of them and how they operate. And ultimately, you know, most people when they think of mind control, they think of you know uh, Jason Bourne you know, being able to uh, program somebody to kill without their consent or knowledge and not even know that they did it. That's one aspect of it. That's an outcome that the, uh, they planned on doing. But um, the reason why I'm doing it, talking to you, and participating is because. We've got a serious uh, neglect of children uh, that just now being exposed. I know all, you know all the steel and everybody else that's involved with exposing the pedophilia, but it's got to end. We, we won't make it as a species at all. We don't get this thing in the bud now. And that means holding accountable all elected employees that know about this and are participating in our government. I, I can't speak on behalf of all the other governments, but this one, since we're here, they have to be held accountable for this. They've got to be uh, standing up front and center all about it. And we cannot be uh, uh, sitting back and being compliant and thinking that the powers of be going to take care of it. The FBI, the CIA, 
all the uh, military people that are all involved, they all know about it. And they, they've not done a damn thing to um, uh, deal with it. And now we've got a situation where the people that, that the religion, the people that run that operation, it goes back over to England, they rule us. They're running us. These people that are ruling over us right now making the decisions, they're all disassociated, they've all come from this, and they're all involved. I mean, what happened with uh, um, the exposure of these uh, pedophilia operations that have been going on? We've known about this forever. I mean, I don't, I, I was told specifically uh, by Boric, don't get into this, because if you get into it and you start investigating it, and you can have a career running around talking about it like everybody else. I don't give a shit about that. I give a shit about ending and healing the mess. I don't want to sell books. I don't want to do any of this stuff. Only reason I'm even doing this in the first place is because it's we've got to end it. And we have to deal with it right now, right now, because it's interfering with all of our uh, liberties, our, our cognitive futures, free will, law, constitution, everything, everything. It's because many people that are involved in this have been compliant. Since the Franklin cover-up, we thought, like, when the Franklin cover-up came out, we thought, okay, good, fine. Now everybody's going to see it. Now everybody, something's going to be done about it. And the exposure of this would, would uh, get out and something would be done about it. But it's not. Nothing's been done. Nothing's been done. All the wow-wow factors of people talking about sex slaves going in and out of the White House and Pentagon, that's old news. It's old news. There's no reason why our elected employees have not done something about this. I know that Trump, everybody says Trump uh, has been the only president really good against this stuff, but a, a lot of what I've heard about um, is uh, it's not good enough. Just a lot of people don't believe it still. We need to see the evidence. We have to pull the Band-Aid off. We've got to see the blood and guts, unfortunately. I don't know, we shouldn't have to be that way. So the whole public can see. When what you said previously, you know, as a uh, um, where we're at now, how bad things are, um, it's it, it's also going to be the uh, uh, way we win. Because as things get worse, we will change. Yeah. But we have to see it. And people are confused about what the hell is really going on. Of course, of course. There's a lot of confusion. But So uh, just to get into this, the, the religion of it, the religion of abuse, the religion of trauma-based mind control, right? Is this an extra-dimensional thing? Because you said you talked earlier about the UFO side of things. Um, oh, just by the way, you might want to just put your head out a little bit. It's uh, on your. It's uh, gotten up a little bit. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. There we okay. Go. Okay. Cool. Right. I was going to ask you. Uh, do you want to like talk about the alien con component of this and how you say that there's maybe a uh, there's a connection between sometimes there it, you you worked with John Mack who researched it, uh, the um, who was you know great at researching the experience of abduction. And you're saying some of these abductions, not all the abductions, were actually military or some kind of, you know, some kind of mind masking as, as alien. But there is an alien component to yes. trauma of the yeah, human. Yeah, that was, that, that was the, the real ones. I knew some of that, some of the biggest uh, abduction real people. I knew Betty and Barney Hill, I knew Marion Shenfield. Uh, those, just those people in themselves, those are the real ones. They don't ever want you to find out about them that stuff. This was done to, to uh, misdirect everybody and to uh, discredit people that were involved in the investigative field because they didn't want anybody around understanding what was really going on. But 
that a deal was made to uh, uh, harvest humans. That was the deal. So they had to fake it, uh, fake abductions to discredit those people, uh, and then frame them. I know some, uh, there's a couple of cases where, you know, Wendell Stevens went to prison for allegedly uh, uh, being involved with um, childhood molestation. And I knew him very well. And there, there, anything in the UFFL eventually comes to sex or abuse of sex, always. I mean, I, I uh, knew one of the biggest abduction uh, uh, cases in the world that never was very popular. Her name was Marianne Shenfield. And uh, she was the secret behind um, Andre Verharch. And there's two people, Andre Geller and Verharch. Both of those were contactee people. They're huge cases. And Marianne Shenfield was the, the quiet one. She was knew her for well over 10 years. And uh, that's how I met Mac and uh, Betty and Barney Hill and Bud Hopkins and uh, Wendell Stevens, all those guys that were doing this stuff. And when I was talking with Walter Bullard, I brought in the fact that, you know, a lot of this stuff is being faked. How are they doing it? How are they faking? How are they putting people in altered states, freezing their central nervous system, traumatizing them, and then getting them anchoring in visual imagery? They want to uh, have them echo when they're uh, cognizant of them. So they go around talking about these abduction cases when a lot of them have not been abducted at all. They're uh, military operations uh, to somehow to keep everybody misdirected. Yeah, that was when Walter Bowler and I, he, he figured out the, all the mind control stuff. He was, at the end of his life, he's mostly interested in the UFO angle and what the future of that was going to mean for this planet. And uh, the uh, revelation that we're not alone, and the fact that uh, um, biology, uh, children, sex were ultimately involved in all that because it had to do with reproduction. Um, he was heavily involved with that. He was kept that pretty quiet though because he didn't want to uh, publicize it. At that point. Uh, I was uh, involved with Doris Van Tassel, who was. Uh, Van Tassel was the guy that uh, set up the uh, Integratron over in the Palm Desert. Uh, he was he set up the first original organized UFO uh, activity uh, where people met down in Giant Rock in the fifties. And I, I knew uh, Doris Van Tassel very well because I lived with her and I heard the whole story and the whole history uh, behind the UFO thing. It, it always ends up somewhere sooner or later uh, child abduction. And human harvesting comes into the equation. And Bullard was uh, very, our, our main thing, he set up the, uh, something while I was with him called the Freedom of Thought Foundation. He had huge people involved with it. And uh, he knew that the, that the main emphasis was to uh, end the National Security Act because none of this could be taking place. If they need to, we need to get rid of the National Security Act. It's hurting us so badly. And because of what's behind it, we can't fix anything. Uh, so we wanted to repeal that, and we had Fletcher Prouty was involved, um, Tom Bearden was involved, uh, John McGuffin was involved, all these huge people was that we need to peel back the curtain now because of what's going to happen in the future, where we're at right now, uh, this huge mess um, of uh, violation of our uh, human condition, basically. I mean, 
we're heading into a position now where us as humans, it's the end or maybe the beginning. We're right at that conjunction point. What are we going to do with our DNA? What are we going to do with our nervous systems? How, how are we going to control our cognitive liberties? All of these things were set forth long, long time ago. Long, long time ago. Um, uh, and he was very concerned about that. One thing about child abuse, and when you get into mind control, it's um, it alters you forever. It changes your worldview, uh, alters your value system. Yeah. Um, like I, you've heard the stories about these military guys that are they go in and help out these scenarios, and then they're just broken afterwards. But the thing question, I guess, is at one level, um, the mind control experimentation and abuse of, uh, you know, children and whatnot was taking place also to help, as you say, perfect the understanding of how to control the minds to the place where yes. they now create this mass. I mean, when a society where it feels to me like we're living through mass mind control operations, right? Things like the, the COVID pandemic, people walking around with masks on, which is like, you know, you're basically, you know, you're, you're depriving yourself of oxygen. You're completely conforming to a, a, a non-identity of self. You know, you're hiding your face from each other. It's like this is sort of one expression of it. Is this was this the intention of the mind control operations? Was to, to make it operational at, at the individual level, but also at the grander scale of, of controlling humanity? Absolutely, that's what it's for. The the mask is part of it. You, you know, um, it's interesting how they. They, they've uh, kind of militarized the use of the mask and how that shuns your identity, uh, censors you, uh, doesn't allow you to express yourself. Uh, you know, when, when uh, Eyes Wide Shut came out and they were all wearing the masks in the ceremony, uh, that's to uh, create this association to was designed for uh, and condition. And that's that's essentially what it's for with the mask. So the so the the, uh, the plan was uh, to create a psycho civilized society, uh, which is done now through the big pharma. I mean, half the country is on these horrible, horrible drugs. That just that in itself, the child abuse and the using of that to uh, create a society of people that is um, angry, resentful, vindictive, have to have power over others, um, has no sense of community, is self-destructive. These are our leaders. That's who's ruling over us. And it took a long time to get there, long period of time to get there. And um, well, pe people ask me, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do now? What are we going to do? And I, I say <laughs> the ugly truth. Go buy yourself a mirror and stare into it. That's what you got to do. I'm going to be selling those on my. I'm going to sell those on my website actually. That's great. Get that thing set up because yeah. we got to stop like thinking. Well, they'll go fix it. They're not going to fix it. They've done nothing. They've done nothing. I'm not impressed with uh, our uh, elected employees on both sides, both political parties. I know some mean well more than others, but they've not fixed this. And now it's affecting our value system as Americans. But let's our value on. system, Americans. Precisely. Precisely. So they've created this massive transformation of society, and and as you said.
they, they made mind control operational. And again, the essential to me, the, so I'm just trying to get back to the point about the essential cult nature of it. Why would, because people had asked, why would you generationally abuse your own children? I mean, are these are these people just sociopathic? Are they, you know, yes. they believe, right? You can do that if you're disassociated. Right, if you're disassociated. You can't do but, it. You, right. you have to be dissociated. Right, so they have to be in crypto. an altered state to even get there. Exactly. So these the are crypto, altered states. Mm -hmm. So the crypto oligarchy, the crypto the cryptocracy that rules, right? The secret, the secret governors that rule essentially through finance, um, major, you know, the major owners of, of finance and, and business and corporations and whatnot. That level is saying they're basically disassociated uh, to the place where they are engaging in ritual uh, ceremonies or at least energetically. people. Uh, these were Native American women, and they went to go meet with the Bajigali elite in a very private uh, meeting. And uh, they called me up afterwards, because I, I set some of those doors up in motion. And they called me up and said, James, we met with these people. They're not even really human anymore. I said, let me guess, they're more cybernetic. They couldn't have a conversation with you without having a piece of computer equipment that they're interfacing with and touching in the entire time. They're, they could not bridge minds with you. They had zero empathy. So he's basically saying they're cybernetic. Correct. They're gone already. They're gone. They've merged with machines already. The central nervous system, they've outered it. They've uh, merged with it already. They didn't have any um, awareness, uh, empathic awareness, not even a hypo uh, hypothetical. I dealt with one of the people that uh, uh, specifically I was called on, um, and this is this was a person way way high up there in the scientific community um, with authority. I sat next to him on the plane, and I said I said to them, um, "Do you know that you're going to go be meeting with people that are nonlinear society that communicate differently entirely to you? Do you know what that means?" No. These people that are making decisions at the technological level that are affecting our brains, our nervous systems, and our value systems, they're not even attached to us at all. They don't know what you're talking about. They've broken away. It is a broken away civilization. And it's broken away because they got into those positions because they were disassociated and broken to begin with before they got there. But it does beg to me the question then of if there, 
you know, the idea of the of the of the religion going back to the religion of these people that are essentially doing ritual uh, child abuse or sacrifice ritual satanic, uh, you know, let's say the, the occult satanic side of things, right? Is it, do we feel like there is, is it a demonic entity or is it an artificial intelligence? Demo I would say even an artificial intelligence that's ultimately, that's what they are worship, have been worshiping and are ultimately merging with. Is that what, or what did you ultimately, yeah. what is your research and, and poetry research? My research says that, uh, I'll put it this way they think they're gods, right? They have conditioned us to think we're not. But we are. And part of the awakening process is to realize that we're part of the Godhead. We are, have to take uh, our sovereignty back, our physical bodies back, our spirits back, all of those things. After we, we have to uh, take responsibility of them. They think they're gods already. They, they've achieved that part. And they are to a certain extent. But to, to, to be in the Godhead means you have to understand that you're the ultimate creator, you're eternal, and uh, everything in your universe you put there, all of those things, I mean, Walter Robert and I used to go deep into that because he was, uh, said the only way this is going to be cleaned up because it's a, a religious thing is for us to spiritually take our power back. We have to take our power back, our spiritual power back. They are, and they're dictating in terms to us uh, whether or not we live or die because they feel like it. So uh, the mind control ultimately has to, it, it's about taking away all of that and putting a subservient slave class in place which they can harvest on as the religion. And they have no problems with it because look, have we fought back enough? No. Have we done anything? No. Because we feel subservient and we don't, we're, we're not in our position of power. And I get People call me, what do you think of the Q movement and all this other stuff? And I said, it's a good educational tool, but it does not um, it, it does not put you in a place of power. It says, trust the plan. We'll take care of it. No, you've not taken care of it. Right. For 40 years, you've not taken care of it. Right. This yeah. is about getting taking our power back. You're doing that right now by making yeah. this and interfacing with all sorts of people that are taking our power back. And that's what it ultimately has to do with. Well, as you said, it has to do with looking in the mirror and starting with ourselves and how we Correct. interface with ourselves first and foremost because we are already connected to the Godhead. And what I actually am curious about is I don't see these people actually connecting to the God because they're actually, they're still uh, in separation. They don't actually recognize that everything is connected. They're still, in, they're still, even, by doing these rituals, aren't they essentially acknowledging that they're worshiping something outside of themselves? Aren't they worshiping some entity or deity? They're yeah, they're, they're worshiping uh, Baphomet, amongst other things. These are ancient. These are ancient uh, power tools that uh, ultimately, you know, they, the only reason they have so many people that are involved with them is because they all lust for power and control. Lusting for power and control, what does that mean? Most people that I know that are uh, solvent, moral people, they don't need to rule over everybody. It's not a need that they have. They don't get off on it. But these people that are ruling off us, they do. So in order in order to get into that position, have that be part of your personality profile, something that had to have happened to you to get in that position. Because most moral people that I know, they don't need to, uh, you know, 
rule over everybody and get off on it and make money doing it. They're not like that at all. They would rather empower the individual. Uh, all the operation mind controls uh, disempowering, taking away people's power, uh, using them for political purposes. So the real handlers and the, the people that were financing, the handlers that, that operated all the sex slaves and all the people that were in the military, not just politicians, uh, they don't want to show their faces. They don't, they don't want anybody to know who they are. I mean, it's much different uh, what it is today because now um, they, they essentially they're, they're using the central nervous system. Most people have so much screen stress every day, they don't realize what's happened to them. That the machines are running us now. That we're, we're, the mind control is so intense now. I mean, I can't have a good conversation with anybody uh, to get anywhere with them under normal, this isn't a normal condition. I mean, if I were to talk to go into a group, I'd want to separate them outside of it. I'd get rid of all these phones out of them. You do a complete media fast, calm their nervous systems down, and then begin the reframing process of getting them back into the legitimate organic self. In this day and age, you have to be able to have an operating system where you can do both. You can't just be a cyborg all day long and expect that the earth's going to turn out fine. You can't do it. You have to be able to shut it all down and go into the other uh, ways. And most people that are talking about mind control are not talking about uh, what McLuhan discovered. Because he's the big secret behind all of it, which I found out about. And I, I talked to Eric McLuhan and his other great grandson about what um, uh, was going on. Because because most people don't know this, and I'll say it for this, because I'm going to ask one of the McLuhans that's alive to come forward with this. But Marshall McLuhan went to go speak to Bilderbergs a long time ago. Because he discovered that uh, when we shape our tools, our tools shape us way back. And that's a very key piece of information because of what's happened now and how all these technology companies are ruling over us, not just financially, mentally, morally, they're dictating and being the moral police over us. Are you kidding me? These people? No. And how that was done and planned a long time ago. I mean, that up, if people look into Operation Mind Control, the research tradition, it goes much more in depth in terms of... Um, what our technologies have done to us and why they're trying to create a, a hive mind and what the purpose of what's going on now with this COVID thing is. It's not so much the disease, that's nothing. It's the behavior modification of it and the use of the masks to alter our identities and alter our uh, the way we communicate with each other. Uh, I, I'd much rather be sitting with you in person <laughs> or anybody else for that moment that I know not through some screen, but look what they're doing to dehumanize us. Well, this is part us, of it. They're putting us into virtual realities, getting, getting us comfortable with this notion of virtual reality, because this is what the next generation is supposed to be in order to really control the hive. Um, Correct. And again, it's this is the AI. This is what I believe is the artificial intelligence that is mimicking human, hum, uh, sorry, mimicking life, living systems. So Earth is a living system. Humans are, are expressions of, of living systems. We are connected by heart first and foremost to the living earth the artificial intelligence does not is like a battery that has is a dead thing it needs energy to feed upon 
So it creates these inversions and it basically drains the earth. It feeds upon earth, it feeds upon living systems. So it creates a version of a hive because living things are connected. We're already connected through organic uh, and energetic principles. We're already connected as part of a species to, you know, to the earth itself. But they basically want to hijack that and put us into this artificial hive that they then control. Uh, and towards that end, talking about feeding, you, uh, did you or, or Bo ever come across this blood drinking stuff? Because before, you know, I had heard the reptilians fed on blood, you know, and I always suspected there was a vampiric or demonic component to a lot of the ritual. But then obviously when people come out with adrenochrome in the recent years, and then they say this is all like, oh, this is, you know, some Q fantasy. I just was curious what, in terms of the research that you guys did pre-2010, <laughs> really, before the internet, what you came across as far as blood drinking rituals. He mentioned it to me, uh, but it, when, he, when he got into it a little bit with me, he was very careful about what he said. He was slow to deliver his findings, but uh, he was saying that there were the blood harnesses sexuality. All the uh, sexuality is about moving information from point A to point B in terms of propagation of species, and moving information from point A to point B. And uh, blood rituals, uh, which he, when he brought that up to me, was about the um, exploitation of that energy um, and what he found. And I, I, I didn't go into too much about it, but when the adrenochrome thing came out, it didn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me at all that, that, that's, that they were um, harvesting blood and getting, getting children to uh, basically sacrifice their life force for a religion to keep that to keep that religion alive and operational. Um, I knew about it, but I didn't. I didn't have. I never met any actual witnesses or people that drank it. He just mentioned it to me. It was in our research because he we were extremely careful who we were talking to at that point because um, uh, he was getting into trouble basically. He, this, when he wrote this book, it basically uh, ended his career and caused a lot of problems for him. But he was adamant um, about living. Okay, so that's the Sasha, Sasha Stone interview with James Martinez. It's on BitChute. Uh, it might be on, it'll be on Sasha Stone's podcast somewhere down the line as well. I'm going to end that there. We're coming up to 55 minutes, and it's longer than I was going to do. But I think it was worth it. Uh, this is challenging material for me to listen to, so I'm pretty sure it's challenging for everybody else as well. But it's got to be done. All right, I'll see you tomorrow.